Yeah, let Dave do it. He's he's here for the final episode as a special guest star. No, he's he's not a guest. No, he's a special guest star. In the way that Jonathan Harris was a special. He's like when when Farrah Fawcett came back to Charlie's Angels for an episode. (laughs) Wow, that's an old boy reference. Well, I'm an old boy. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert! All crew members report to battle station. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're Starfleet officers! Now start acting like it! Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Welcome to... Uh, Paul? (laughs) And yet I did not interrupt. Thank you. (laughs) Welcome to Listen to the Prophets. This being the final regular episode. Yes, you can interrupt now, Bill. Thank you. What episode is this, Bill? The last. The last regular episode. It's the last last episode of the show, but we're going to do another episode of this series. Allegedly. Allegedly, if we get into it. (laughs) We want to. But we've come to the end of a long seven-year journey. We're about two weeks shy of actually seven years to the day, is what I when I did the math. Because this is coming out in July of 2021. It is not July of 2021 for us. But I am J. David Weeder returning for this special occasion. I've got my tux on, got tails, hearing the way you are tonight. It's beautiful. And with me, as usual, your usual cohorts, to my metaphorical left, because it's been a while since I used that one, we have Andrew Leyland. Hello, everybody, for the last time, possibly. To the meta- metaphorical right, Mr. Paul Spataro. I refuse to say this will be the last time. I'll be back, I just don't know when. I understand. Jenny! Oh, sorry, wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong Phil. Metaphorically, across the table from me, Mr. David Pascarella, the other David. Always good to hang with my pallies. And then last but not least, Dr. Bill Robinson. I will only be back if my crowdfunding money comes in for this stuff. <laughs> There's crowdfunding money? Whoops. So where was the crowdfunding money when I had to buy a new laptop to edit the show? Uh, it, it went to Paul's uh, M&M writer. That, you know, that's valid. Cosmetic <laughs> surgery isn't cheap, man. <laughs> but man, this, this hair doesn't from. plug itself, you know. <laughs> So, do we have any... Do I, do I really need to have crow's feet? feet by my eyes? It adds character, Paul. It does, man. Do we have any Star Trek news that will be they have long... Started <laughs> fil- yes, we do. They have started filming Discovery Season 4 before, as of this recording, Season 3 has even started airing. Now, I presume that is simply because studio space has to be booked and actors have to be contracted and so on and so forth and had covid not hit i would imagine discovery would have already come out or season three anywhere but that pushed everything back so they've carried straight on into filming season four uh with the 
things that were already booked, probably due to money, and that's going to start filming before season three even starts airing. Well, well, I would imagine I that people the... saying that season three would be would be the last one because it's cancelled. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's it's a it's a lost cost fallacy or whatever, isn't it? It's not doing it at all well, apparently. I would imagine that the schedule for for filming is actually on schedule and has not been affected by COVID. That just the schedule for releasing the episodes has been has been affected. Yeah, that's what I meant. It's the special effects that I mean. Thingy, Anthony Rapp posted as much. He said the thing that's delayed the show is the post-production, which everyone has had to do from home because of, of COVID. And the thing that allowed them that get-out-of-jail-free card was rather sensibly they never announced a release date for season three. So they've been able to push it back without actually contradicting anything they've already said. Unlike, say, Black Widow or Wonder Woman, which has now had, what, seven release dates? Hmm. I'll be very surprised if Wonder Woman's even out by the time this episode comes out. Interesting. <laughs> um, I don't know if this is new. I don't know. If, I don't remember if we discussed this last time, but supposedly CBS All Access is going to change its name to Paramount Plus. Param- Paramount Plus, yeah. Yeah. I, so that's something new, I guess. It's at least accurate because CBS All Access isn't all access for everybody. You have to pay. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I did the free subscription and then I added a month to it where I actually paid for one month and I still get it. <laughs> so shh. Wow. <laughs> now by the time this airs, I may not get it any longer. I've been getting it now for about I guess five months for free. Disney Plus, who charges you a premium and then wants you to pay more to get certain things. If you wait long enough, it'll it'll be available for free on Disney Plus or not free, but. Well, it's available on Disney Plus yeah. without paying a premium. But the, you know, I mean, the reality of it is that those are movies that they intended to release in the movies, and they're just using their platform to, uh, you know, to, to to let it out as a pay per view. But it's not something that would have been on Disney Plus yet anyway. Yeah, but I'll argue the Bill and Ted Three structure that they put it on video on demand. You paid, I think it was twenty five bucks. You get to keep the movie. So about the the cost of going to the movies for an evening, but you get to go back to Amazon and rewatch it whenever you want, which you should. It's excellent. But it's With not the it. excellent adventure. It's, it's, no, it's, it's, it's facing other, the music. Dude, well, I, w- I will see it at music. some point. Although but the, I'm not the willing the to pay any should have been in it right though. now. Any other news? Comments? Well, what opinions? we laughingly refer to as news. Q's just been in Lower Decks, which I haven't seen. I've not seen an episode yet. Mainly we because the, two people... I, w- I watched the first one and was like, this isn't funny. Yeah, <laughs> you and Paul and, and, and our your rants were like, nah, I'm not in. <laughs> There's no need. It's, it's I, it may, may find its legs. I don't funny. Know. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. By this Q episode, it may be very good. I don't know. My problem with it was it was the first episode just largely seemed to be people screeching at each other. <laughs> now, we, we've been watching uh, The Boys which we're enjoying a lot. And uh, one of the main characters on that show is actually the voice of the main character on that on uh, Lower Decks. Yeah, uh, Dennis and Quaid's son. Yeah, De- Dennis Quaid and Meg, Meg Ryan's son, which I mm. just found interesting. And he didn't get either of their looks. <laughs> oh, no. You not think he looks an awful lot like young Dennis, specifically around the eyes and the smirk. He's, he, he takes more after his father than he does his mother. Hmm. But I don't think he really, you know, I, I, I think his parents are very good-looking people, and I think he's just a very average-looking person. Well, that brought the show to a screeching halt. 
Because <laughs> it's like, how do you respond? Well, it's, to me, it's like that. it's like uh, you know, Billy Joel marries Christy Brinkley, and they have a daughter, and she's lucky enough to look like him. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we've derailed, and we've derailed bad. This is maybe the worst derailing I've seen. This is <laughs> but we saved it for the, we saved the best derailing. derailing for the last. Why am I the benchmark? Because you're you're Doctor Bill. I don't understand. Re- the real life with Doctor Bill often derails the conversation. This this hyperboil doesn't pay for itself. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sorry to discuss the physical appearance of actors because it shouldn't matter. <laughs> well, it's not that it matters. It's just it's so far. I'm like I don't know how to get us back on course. So I'll just he's make it off. He's in Star Trek. There you go. There you yeah, go. He's he's on he does the he does the main voice on Lower Decks, in which you don't see him. Correct. Okay. Which, as far as Paul's concerned, is a bonus. <laughs> you know what? He's, he's fine on the boys. I just, I just, when I look at him and I think of, you know, I, I look at him and I think, boy, those are his parents, huh? <laughs> you know, that's all I could think. I don't know. Which character does he play on the boys? Uh, he's Huey. 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 The main Huey. Who? We Huey, the main character. Well, that isn't Homelander, because I would argue with the boys. The boys' TV show is more about the supers. Whereas I see Dennis comic, Quaid's face in there. You're right, Andy. It's, it's in the eyes and his smile. Yeah, definitely the you smirk. Know what? There's, there's the, the shadow of the episode. Smile. I see Dennis Quaid's face in there. He's <laughs> 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 like, go, what? <laughs> All right, so let's get back on track here. So Lower Decks, Andy and I watched the first episode. We didn't think it was all that good, uh, but we haven't watched follow-up episodes, so maybe it's gotten better, maybe it hasn't. We don't know. Fair. Might have been improved by the two of you chasing somebody off your lawn. Those darn kids. <laughs> well, once again, yeah, that's I'm, what I meant. You know, Maybe the the Rick and Marty audience finds it hysterical. Who can say? But but once again, I think this is a time to bring up the statement. I'm getting CBS All Access right now for free. They haven't been charging me for the last six months, and free is too expensive to watch this show. <laughs> wow. So that's that's my thoughts after watching the first episode. You just yeah. I don't know if you sounded like Walter Matthau or Jack Lemmon there. Maybe, I'm maybe a, an name. amalgam. Yeah. I'm thinking from 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 Dave's point of reference, it's not the odd couple. I'm thinking it's grumpy no. old men. Yep. Same difference. Burgess <laughs> Meredith, a grumpy old men. You're sitting on a couch by the river. He was genius in that movie. Yes, he was. But you know what else is genius? Deep Space Nine. I oh, love Deep Space Nine. And, and you know what? Just to, to hit a little bit of a retrospective before we get to this episode. Uh, this podcast was started on a lark for Assistant Editors <laughs> Month on Two True Freaks. And here we are seven years later having done every episode of the series. I'm just flabbergasted by that yeah. I, yeah I had completely forgotten that god yeah we did as a one off for way of the warrior didn't we yeah blimey O'Reilly I did and not even remember we'd done that you guys had pretended you had been ongoing well yeah. we pretended the two of them had been ongoing and I just joined the uh, the mm-hmm. show now you were 100% more Paul Spataro yeah. <laughs> yes exactly blimey I had completely forgotten is that episode still available yes Oh, it's 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 in the it's in the feed for this show when we did when we did Way of the Warrior for the second time as the episode you know came up chronologically 
we 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 did it over again, but we also reposted the uh, original episode at the same time. Right. So they're both God. available. I had completely forgotten that. It's been a what a the long strange track it's been. You could almost sing the uh, theme song for Enterprise right now. What a long road getting from there to here. And then my wife so. gets mad because she hates that song. <laughs> but th- those and are I like the people get stuck in her head. People who've listened to every episode from from there to here, uh, thank you. Yeah, for those about to finish with us, we salute you. It's been a fun road, I have to say, and and it's been strange because of the time differences that we have uh, in recording, and we've always had those time differences from the very beginning to now, uh, because you know initially we had Sean who was in a different time zone than me, uh, and Andy's in a different time zone than all of us, uh, so we we've been doing this since the beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and. That may seem really peculiar to people, and I guess it is, but it's been a lot of fun. And when we've had times that we weren't doing it, I've seriously missed these conversations, which is why we do plan on continuing to do stuff. And I, you know, I guess we're going to have to figure out if we're going to create a new feed for what we're doing or if we're going to just go on the same feed because Listen to the Prophets doesn't really describe what we're going to do from, you know, after this. But we will see. Unlike Deep Space Nine itself, we've changed cast, and some people have been from the beginning, some are here right at the end, some sadly are no longer with us. And uh, through it all, we've always had that one goal, that we were determined to finish this because Sean started it. Mm-hmm. And that's what's kept it going, more than yeah. anything else, I think. And right now I'm thinking, and still I will have Stan. And Andy, you are my Stan. <laughs> <laughs> But that would make you to pring, and given that she is my all-time favorite Star Trek woman, I'm not having none of that ruined by envisioning your face. <laughs> if they if they do it on the Reface app, I'm sending it right to no, them. No, no. <laughs> I would instantly replace you with Mila Kunis, and that would be it. All right, all right, Stan, whatever you say. <laughs> Flawlessly logical. So, all that said... Uh, how's, how's about that final episode? Yep. You mean the episode entitled, What You Leave Behind? That yeah, would that be, would the, be one. the one. Deep in the presence of fear, this war has to end. And it will, one way or the other. Lives courage. The outcome of this battle will determine the outcome of the war. But it takes a hero to fight it. What do you say we end this war? One captain. The ones that you've come home to us. One crew. One last stand. Hang on. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Usually so, I leave a mess. Yeah, you do. Um, <laughs> well, it's been in my house, I know. <laughs> Season 7, episodes 25 and 26, although aired as one, and I don't know where the splice point is. Directed by Alan Crooker. Crooker? Crooker! Crooker! Written by Iris Stephen Bear and Hans Beamler. And this would have actually debuted June of 1999. It says original air date is the second, but time zones vary. All right, deep breath, because this is going to be a long one. On Deep Space Nine, because where else would the show start, as the Allies prepare to embark on a potentially final decisive... Oh, wow, I pulled a bill. On a potentially final decisive offensive in the Dominion War, say that three times fast, Bashir wakes up with Esri. Yeah, he does. O'Brien talks with his family about accepting a transfer back to Earth, and Cisco comforts a pregnant, nauseated Cassidy. 
While heading for battle on the Defiant, Cisco's mother, Sarah, a prophet of Bajor, remember her, appears to him in a vision, telling him his journeys and lies before you, not behind you. Why are they always so cryptic? The battle between the Jem'Hadar, Breen, Cardassian, and Federation Klingon Romulan fleets begins. Kira, Garrick, and Damar, hiding on the Cardassia Prime planet, you remember that one, inside a revolt and sabotage Cardassia's power grid, cutting off communication between the Dominion fleet and the command center. Because right in the area right there, we're, we're a little soft in the center, just like me. Mayun and the diseased founder order the Jem'Hadar to wipe out a Cardassian city. Kira, Garrick, and Damar are captured, but as the Jem'Hadar prepare to kill them, Cardassian soldiers turn on their Jem'Hadar allies in revenge for the destruction of their city. As Starfleet and their allies are suffering many losses, the Cardassian ships switch sides when they learn of the atrocity, turning the tide of the battle. When the Founder discovers this, she orders the eradication of the Cardassian race, and the Jem'Hadar begin leveling cities. The Dominion fleet retreats and regroups around Cardassia Prime, and the Alliance fleet prepares to mount a final offensive. And I'm offended by that, too. Kira and her team storm the command center, capture the Founder, and kill Wayun. Damar is killed in the process. The Founder initially refuses to surrender, choosing instead to make the battle as costly as possible for the Alliance. As Sisko prepares for the assault on Cardassia, Odo beams to the command center and tries to reason with the Founder. She argues that her people will never be safe from the solids, but Odo defends the Federation's intentions, despite its flaws and links with her over Kieran Garrick's objections, curing her disease. She orders an unprecedented surrender of all Dominion forces within the Alpha Quadrant, ending the war. Odo explains to Kira that he has agreed to cure the other founders, but needs to join them permanently, so he can persuade them to trust solids instead of dominating them. You have to pay 30 bucks extra for that. <laughs> there we go. Bashir and and, it's, and it's the intendant that does it for you. Yeah, allegedly. Because she does it for me. <laughs> Bashir and Garrick are reunited in the command center as a flood of casualty reports indicate over 800 million Cardassians have been systematically murdered. Martok has a drink on Cardassia which disgusts Ross and Sisko. The three had previously promised to drink a toast on Cardassia in Tears of the Prophets. Bashir tries to reassure Garrick that Cardassia will recover, but Garrick laments that it will never be the same. On Bajor, Dukat, still disguised as a Bajoran, and Kai Wynn, who has turned against the Prophets, travel to the caves with an ancient book to release the Paw Wraiths only to find the caves dark and barren. Wynn recites a chant that releases the paw wraiths, filling the cave with fire and then poisons Dukat as a sacrifice, expecting to become the wraith's emissary. They possess Dukat instead, resurrecting him and restoring his Cardassian appearance. A peace treaty is signed on DS9 and the crew celebrates in Vic's lounge, but Sisko suddenly becomes aware that he must go to the fire caves. Once there, he attacks Dukat, who easily subdues him with his newfound powers. Wynne tries to destroy the book when she realizes she made a mistake by turning against the prophets and Dukat kills her, and I applaud it. While Dukat is distracted, Sisko attacks Dukat, falling with him into the book, into the fiery chasm. Sisko suddenly finds himself in the Celestial Temple, where Sarah tells him that the Paw Wraiths, with Dukat, have been returned to their prison in the fire caves and will never emerge again. With the book destroyed, it is time for him to rest with the prophets, having completed his task. The DS9 crew is puzzled by Sisko's disappearance until he comes to Cassidy in a vision, telling her that he has moved on to a new stage of his life. It's not me, it's you. He assures her he will return, though he doesn't know when, and she promises to wait for him. O'Brien finds the figure of William B. Travis in his home, having accused Bashir of losing the figure previously in The Changing Face of Evil. When signing the armistice that ends the Dominion War, Admiral Ross quotes General Douglas MacArthur's speech following Japan's surrender at the end of World War II. The crew go their separate ways. 
O'Brien will teach at Starfleet Academy, finally giving a stable home to Keiko and their children. Worf is appointed as the Federation Ambassador to the Klingon Empire, moving to Konos, where he will maintain his close friendship with Chancellor Martok until he unexpectedly ends up back on the Enterprise. Nog learns that one of Sisko's last act was to promote him to Lieutenant Junior Grade. Bashir and Ezri discuss their future together. When Odo leaves DS9 to fulfill his promise, he refuses to give Quark the satisfaction of a fond farewell, but Quark interprets it favorably anyway, because of course he did. Kira takes Odo to the Founder's Planet, and Odo tells Kira to tell everyone he will miss them, even Quark. Then they bid farewell. Odo sinks to the link and cures the disease. Now the station commander, Kira continues to Odo and Sisko's example by going to Quark's to shut down his betting ring on who will be the new Kai, leading Quark to say... The more things change, the more they stay the same. The last lines of the show. Kira finds Jake on the promenade and they look longingly out as the wormhole opens, knowing that her friend and his father resides in the Celestial Temple, and the camera pulls further and further back away from DS9 for the last time. The end. I didn't get to interrupt. Yeah, you were there in spirit. (laughs) So I'm just going to say something and put it on the table. This is the first actual series finale in Star Trek history. Because TOS just ended. Next Gen, yeah, there was a finale, but you knew a few months from now you're going to see these characters again because they were already working on Generations. This Mm -hmm. was something where we actually got a real ending. Yeah, I was thinking about that. This, out of of all the Star Trek series, this is the best ending out out of any of them. Because some don't really have, well, the original series didn't have a quote-unquote ending. Mm-hmm. Um. So. So. Yeah. This. This is. Is the best out of all the. All. All the. All the series. With this, the the characters actually had a final, a final destination with Next mm-hmm. Gen, which would have been the previous finale. It's like we're gonna put a pause here, and we'll be back to see you in theaters. See this you real one seems soon. to have a uh, have have like a negative reputation for reasons that I don't understand. Uh, that it somehow was a failure as a as a closer. Uh, I love this episode. I'm not gonna. You know, bury the lead on this. I thought this episode did a great job of not only, you know, giving you closure for most of the characters, but doing so in a way where it made sense. It wasn't like, well, it's the last episode, so we're selling the the station. You know, it, it, it the things that <laughs> happened made sense, and you kind of saw each one of them having some form of future. It wasn't like, okay, it's done. You know, we're all going into retirement now. Everybody kind of had their role that they were assuming that if you did want to pick it up, you could easily write a uh, a movie takeoff of it uh you know not that they did or they ever will and and not that they anticipated doing it but i do think that they could have made a movie and you have you know you, cisco is totally up in the air as to far as far as wh- when and if he's returning really i mean he says he is and that was something that apparently came up uh in in I don't know if it was in post-production or if it was during production, because originally they were not going to have that. He was just going to be that he's with the Prophets now and that's it. Uh, and that wasn't looked at that kindly. That's why they added in the line about that he will be back and he does just doesn't know when and that she's waiting for him. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Worf's role with the... Uh, with the Klingons is obviously significant. You have Odo with the changelings, which could you you could come you know build some drama from that and and their uh, attempt to re-enter some form of society, and yet they have fear of the solids because they've always been persecuted. You have 
I mean, I guess the only one who's, who really seems to have some kind of closure to him is O'Brien, who's, you know, back in, in the academy teaching. But you could always just kind of say, O'Brien, we need you, and he comes out of retirement and comes back. But everybody else kind of seems to have, you know, a real role that they're moving on to, and yet we have closure to their stories in most ways. Uh, so I just thought this ending hit on every note, really. Do you know what this ending reminded me of when MASH went off the air? The war was over. Most people went home. Some were dead, and some stayed behind. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, as we leave off, I guess the only, you know, we have Quark still at the station, we have Bashir and and Ezri still at the station, and we have Kira running the station. Right? Are there any other main characters who stayed on on the uh, on DS9? Morn. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh yeah. Uh. Um. Oh no! Wait, that was last episode. But uh, <laughs> I was going to say Rom, but he he became Nagus last episode. Yeah, he's Nagus now. Yeah. Is he the only semi-regular character to not be in the episode? Hmm. Yes. Yeah, that was a point last uh, last time that we didn't discuss it. Yeah, he was actually him and um, uh, Lita. She was not well, here Lita's either. Not, Lita's not even a semi-regular. Lita's <sighs> a reoccurring occasional. Yes, but she was Rom's. Well, um, Rom isn't. Uh, oh yeah, don't don't argue with me. <laughs> well, I, I like that they brought back Molly, Keiko, and Yoshi for this episode too. Yeah, they just kept eating those mushrooms though. Now, now, different, uh, different Yoshi. Sorry. The the Alamo uh, recreation that they have, you know, for all its detail, didn't it look like the soldiers were you know one of those ones where you buy a hundred of them on the back of a yeah. comic book? Mm-hmm. Really? You're going to have that detail of a model? You can't paint them figures a little better? you got a replicator, for God's sakes. Yeah, you really realize... move. <laughs> That's you they really made no effort in their effects to try and make that look better. I mean, um, well, um, they probably didn't have time. But I, I, I guess it is easier to identify them. I guess. Maybe. The Keiko was uh, Indiana Jones. The Alamo belongs in a museum. Hmm. <laughs> So, why don't we why don't we start just breaking this one down? Well, you know, have you guys basically? Uh, I mean, I kind of said what I thought of it. I don't know if you guys have all had a chance to do that before we break it down. Um, I yeah, I'm going to go outside of what everyone else is saying and think that actually I thought it was a bit padded. I like the end of the main war. I like where all the characters end up. I feel that the episode ends at like the 70, 75 minute mark and then the rest of it is just flashbacks and a bit of padding. Well, well it's, it's the it's the Lord of the Rings trilogy ending where we keep going back, but I never felt disappointed in that because I wanted to kind of see the closure with each character. Well, you know, there was thing was one thing. That, it didn't take me out, but it was kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot. The whole Ducat and, and Kai Wynn thing, it's like, they're just there. It's like, hey, by the way, we you guys forgot about these guys. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. And they just kind of would drift back yes. to them. And and okay, so and much like with the Empire Strikes Back, the time frame doesn't make sense. How long are they in that cave? They're in that cave through like the major most of this battle going on. And then afterward, after the battle's over, it, you would think it would take like. Like, that should have been a time frame of, um, you know, like, days. Well, I'm, I'm going to speculate that, much like with the Prophets, with the Pirates, uh, time is not a factor. Yeah. 
Yeah, all right, I'll give you that. But it, that was a little something that took me out. It was like, oh yeah, time is an illusion. Lunchtime doubly so. And did they like beef up Gold Ducat? Did they make him like look more muscular when they re-transformed him back into a Cardassian? Well, I think they were trying. I think a lot of the camera angles were even trying to make him, you know. Uh, look, you know, more menacing. So a lot of times yeah. you use the up angle on that mm. uh, to, to to make it sound, seem like he's, you know, towering over you. And I have to point out that Andy sent us some lovely messages on Facebook of how this is a repeat of uh, where no man has gone before. Yeah, I even did the he dialogue with voiceover. Papa, the God needs compassion. And I'm just watching it. <clears throat> when I was watching it the other day, when I sent you the message, I'm watching it going. This is Kurt versus Gary Mitchell. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much an identical rehash of Kirk versus Gary Mitchell. And I can't believe that Ron Moore didn't spot that. But it's also just, you know, I mean, more so than just that, it's, it is the traditional ending to the hero's journey. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, you it's, you're, you're, you're faced with the, ir- ir- you know, the uh, insurmountable odds against the, the opponent you cannot physically beat. Uh, but you, but it's been your destiny to face off against him the entire time, and now you are facing off against him. And that's, I mean, it's it's the standard story trope. It's it's Harry against Voldemort. It's Luke against Darth Vader or the Emperor. You know, I mean, it's 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 pretty much the standard hero's journey ending. Yeah, but you literally had Kai Wynn as a stand-in for uh, Sally Ke- uh, Kellerman. As, as the other god off to the side. But it, it also allowed you to, to have Kai Win get the appropriate conclusion to her story. <laughs> and I really did applaud when that happened. <laughs> it's it's boy, was she you know she was like a uh, weather vane, uh, just switching sides right and left for the last season. <laughs> as one does in the well, last season. Yeah, that's that's Kai Win. Often well, and she, her character, I guess, you know, we'll start that with her. Her character was always, uh, you know, what's most beneficial to me. You know, what what mm. will what will give me the most satisfaction. So when when the power wraiths, you know, offered her temptation that that to make her think she'd be their emissary and she'd finally have a chance to be an emissary, which she's been jealous of since mm. her her introduction to the show, she's willing to sacrifice everything that she and you put in quotes believes in uh, in order to achieve that goal. And then when she see you know when she, when they betray her and make Dukat the emissary, that's you know now she's ready to go back to the to the prophets. And and I don't believe it's because she sees the light and now she's acting properly. If if she had lived and was back in society, she would be presenting this in a way that you know got her the most power and got her the most adoration from the uh, the commoners. You know that's her personality. That's who she is. See, and I also think my other main problem with it is Cisco doesn't succeed in his mission. His mission was to bring Bajor into the Federation, which he doesn't do. But how much of a full circle ending would that have been? One, there's a lovely irony in the first half of the show that Kira is saving Cardassia. So that's beautiful in terms of taking character A from character from place A to place B over the course of seven years. But imagine if Big Federation at the end yeah, but that would have been appropriate. Nine, but, to bring Cardia into the Federation. But, okay, so you're saying that Cisco didn't fulfill his mission. He didn't fulfill his primary Starfleet mission. Yeah, but is he 
a Starfleet captain or is he the emissary? He fulfilled his function as emissary, which he is more important. He fulfilled his function as emissary. Arguably, yes, that's more important. But in terms of the storytelling, what I'm saying is they don't quite tie everything off quite as satisfactorily in that he doesn't succeed in his Starfleet mission. Bajor still isn't part of the Federation. But maybe that's really not isn't what's important. It was more important to him to to be the emissary than to be Ben Sisko, the Starfleet well, captain. I would I argue it's that. more important for him to be at home looking after his newborn oh, baby. Yeah, yes. that's, that's a hell of a dick move. What yes. happens with that? You know? Yeah, I got you pregnant. Bye. I gotta go with the prophets. See you. Well, I'll that's that's also why point. he why they threw in the line of you know when will you be back? I don't know. Time has no meaning here. Maybe yesterday. Yeah. So so they they're giving you the thought that he you know while he may spend a lifetime with the prophets, he'll get back to uh, Cassidy in a re, you know in a reasonable amount of time. Basically, I just, like I just ben don't. Francisco went out for a pack of smokes. Is what happened. <laughs> 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 All the universe, you know. Oh yeah, I just, baby. I, just, I, got, I, I don't like them. absent. I don't like absent father stories. I'm just not yeah. a fan of them at all. I think at this point they're more cliched than daddy issue stories. And I think they try the things, to address that. Yeah, they do try to address it. It just doesn't mean I'm happy with it. Well, you I should wasn't be happy. Happy with it either. No, I didn't. After they've gone to such great trouble to. Um, portray Cisco as a decent and honourable single father raising his son on his own to at the end have him leave his pregnant wife I, mm, I, I don't disagree in terms of the storytelling and where they took the character all of that is okay just on a personal level that didn't land for me on, on, a, on a similar note I don't like that they didn't give him a goodbye scene with Jake yes, yes. Mm-hmm. To me, that was the one thing that this episode was truly lacking, because yeah. Jake has been there since since the pilot, and and they've shown them to be an exceptionally close father son tandem. Mm-hmm. So and especially to, to have it just be how, oh I was there with your father, that's not good enough. Maybe the two of them given how absent he's been, how absent Jake's been this year generally. But when, when they had the scene when when uh, Cassidy visits him in the Celestial Temple, maybe Jake should have been in that scene also. Exactly. He should have been there and said, I need you to take care of your brother. Yeah. I need you to be there because I don't know when I will be there. Yeah. I promise you I'll be back to be a father to you and your brother or your... Well, did they establish that it's a boy? I don't remember that. I... Your sibling, don't, whatever it no, is, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'll be back to be a father to you and your sibling, but this may take me a little while, so I need for you to step up and, and do this. And then that I think that would address Andy's problem, at least to some extent as well. Would also mm-hmm. tied back to the pilot when the first time we see them, I mean, after you know the, the wreck at Wolf 359, he's, Jake is reluctant to leave and go to DS9. I mean, so is Cisco. And that would tie it back to that initial conversation as well. When and it, could also, it could also have a... Uh, you, know, you, you could add something in there where, where Cisco is saying to him, you know, you're a man now, and you're a man that I'm proud of. So that, you know, you kind of... Com- you know, like, I've complete Not that he ever, you ever stop being somebody's father, but that I've completed my task of raising you to become a man, because you are. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, I think that would have given that that better closure, and it would have shown him to be the father that that he is. So I agree well, I with you they, that that could have been done better. They they could have done 
things like that if they'd taken out the montage sequences, which, I mean, as much as I like them, they didn't necessarily add to Oh, come on, I, I, I had here. a tear in my eye watching the montage. You've been rocking the montage. I just want, you know what, the only thing I is was, we, we should have changed just, the music with you, the best around. Yeah, <laughs> I was just sat there going, you really couldn't shell out a few extra dollars for a, a clip of Jadzia. Really? I agree yeah. with that, that's in my notes. That was very glaringly obvious. Yeah, Wolf Wolf's out this big long black and white montage and doesn't once think of his wife. <laughs> that may be realistic, I don't know. <laughs> very possible. Uh I did not like the romance between between uh, Ezri and Julian. They didn't waste too much time on it, and that's why I thought it was okay. You, you got a, a couple uh, of minutes, not even a couple of minutes, and you did get Worf to give his great line about killing him. Dia said, "I have I will love to kill him." No sense of humor. Yeah. Do you think? Do you honestly think? Ignore any of the books that may have come after this or whatever. Do you honestly see them two as a long-lasting couple? Because I don't. I don't see them as a couple at all, honestly. Yeah. I don't think there was any true chemistry between them and and that may be just because they rushed it if they had taken their time if she was going to be on the show I mean, and this has been all lament the entire season that you know they had to kind of rush Esri into things and and you know shoehorn her in uh if if she had been on for say 3 or 4 seasons and you could have slowly had the romance develop between them I think it would have worked much much better mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, it's uh, like, you know, they, they know each other for three episodes, and it's, oh, I love him. <laughs> you know, it's like a little they, much. They're in lust. Yeah. yeah, he's finally got Dax, which is what he's wanted for seven years. She's finally got over this little schoolgirl crush she has on him. They're not lasting another week. I'm sorry. But does so he have Dax, or does he have Dax light? Yeah, he, he doesn't get the Dax that he wanted, but he gets a Dax, so, you know. So he can figure out how far down mission. the spots go. Yeah. Oh, God. And remember, wanting something is, uh, or having something not is... Not so pleasing not... a thing after all as having it. Yeah. It's not logical. But we're it back to Shdan. <laughs> yeah, we're back to Shdan. Everything goes back to a mock time. Everything should go back to a mock time. Because it, it is the best 50 minutes in Star Trek history. I will brook no argument. <laughs> So was anybody else thrown off by the structure, the overall structure of the episode? Because I, I I watched it as one. I don't know if it was split up on Netflix or not. It's no, not no, it's, it's, oh, it was one. Yeah, it's a full ninety minutes on Netflix. No, I, I was saying that earlier on. It feels like it feels like essentially the episode ends at the seventy-five minute mark. Mm-hmm. And then we have a that's because you have no effect. soul. I have no soul. No, I I don't want to see maudlin flashbacks. And I don't want to see a bunch of I don't want to see a bunch of writers who don't want to let go of the characters or move on. I just want the war's ended. Everyone's got the new assignments. Come on, bye. I did it's like, like it's the, final like the end away. of the meaning of life. It's like yeah. come on, get out of here. <laughs> oh, the last episode of Moonlighted where the people come in and ta- dismantling the sets. <laughs> right, we're done. Yeah, we've, we've got other jobs to go to. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out, if it was not uh, really, it wasn't really clear in the episode is that the woman, the caretaker of uh, um, that is killed, Mila, that is that is Garrick's mother. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's, that's in the novel, isn't it? The, um, yes. The novel, yes. Andy Robinson, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not really clear here. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of like, now that I know that watching this, I was like, oh, boy, that really makes that a lot more of a gut. Not just that she was like an old fat family friend that that was his mom, 
that is uh, is taken yeah, she, out. And she dug Damar. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Damar. Look at, look at him eating like a like a big boy. <laughs> Damar became quite honourable for a Cardassian towards yeah. the back end. And I honest I honestly think they gave the, the supporting characters better write-offs. I thought that it was totally in character for um, Gowron to drink over the bodies of his enemies, even though. I, oh, I thought Cisco it was wrong for. Uh, I yeah, thought it was I thought, wrong for them to call him out the way they did. Yeah. Okay, yeah not, not that they I couldn't express their the, feelings. Yeah. No. I yeah. Thought, because I was like, wait a minute, you guys were all for this, and you've been there, and, yeah, and I thought some of the shit that you guys have done. And now you're gonna, um, yeah. You may not want, you may not want to do it. You may not want to stomach what you've done, but fucking own up. And sorry, live <laughs> yeah, up to up it. To the you, guy who has supported you throughout this. And now you're gonna basically diss him and his entire culture and be like, no, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna pour I, this out at your feet. Screw you. Yeah, I, I could, I could totally get it if they said, you know what? I did think that this was what we should do, but now that I'm seeing it, I don't feel comfortable anymore. And and then just say I really don't feel like having a drink. Thank you, and walk away. I have no problem yep. with it. But pouring the drink to, at his feet and telling him like in in not in slightly veiled terms that they're disgusted by the fact that he wants yes. to do this is just you know it's wrong. They they could try and explain to him why they're uncomfortable yep. and, and in a more diplomatic way because that was just wrong. I mean, oh, dare you, you be do the thing we've planned on doing for a long time? <sighs> yeah. You want to be yep. disgusted? Fine. You choke that wine down. Yep. And because, yeah, like you said, so what? You're it, with Klingons, it's honor, and now you're refusing to drink with him and pouring it at his feet. Yeah, you've just created a civil with war Klingon. with the Klingon Empire yeah. at a time when you can't afford that. <laughs> Have you not learned anything? <laughs> yeah. And I, I, uh, so I liked I liked Gowron's ending, very, Martok's ending, sorry, very much. I loved um, Wayoon's death. Oh, he was the last clone. Oh, well, well never mind. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Combs says there's no way that's true. Uh, he okay. says, wait, Wayoon, Wayoon was such a weasel. You don't think he had some clones hidden away in a cave somewhere? It's a good point. Well, yeah. He comes back in the game, in the Star Trek online game. I'm not, I don't remember if he comes back in the books or not. Right. Well, does he come back that he's resurrected as a new clone, or does he come back that it's, uh, you know, at an earlier time before the clone was killed? I do not remember. But but I I, I read on in, I don't know if it was in Memory Alpha or in the Compendium that Jeffrey Combs said there's there's no way that's the end of Wayun. I would he agree that, with that. He said it's the end as far as the founders know. Yeah. But but he he would have had he would have made sure that he had additional clones secreted well, away watched, somewhere. Yeah. He's watched the founders play everybody. He's, they're playing the Breen. Like, yeah, you'll have all this. Well, I just told him that. So, yeah. Well, he truly no way. believed they were gods. I don't think that's questionable. But he yeah. realized the type of gods they are. They're like Krom. They don't care. We've already gods mentioned about, many... Oh, go. Sorry. God's about to be put on trial for war crimes after this is over. <laughs> God Did they get the on the starship? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've, we've mentioned quite a few times that the Breen... Oh, an awful lot to Boosh from Return of the Jedi. But the bit where Kira takes a mask off, I'm just like, this is this is Princess Leia, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that's not the first time she's paraded around as a Breen. No, I know, but there was just something about her taking the mask off in pretty much the same way Princess Leia did. I, I just I, made I me go, oh, okay. I didn't think the logistics of that really totally made sense to me, that, that they went out without her and that she followed them in Breen costume without them knowing it. Like, I don't know. I, I, I just, 
it just didn't seem right to me. It seemed like if she was following him that way, they should know about it. But then you have one of my favorite scenes in the episode where they just start laughing because they can't get through the door. <laughs> that's so true to life. You just have such a bad situation that you can only laugh at the irony sometimes. Yeah. What'd you think of the relationship between uh, Ducat and Kai Win? No. <laughs> wait, wait, she. You know, it, it was good to see her kind of turn the tables on him and poison him the way she did. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, I mean, they're both slimy individuals. But I, I, I got you know, I found that kind of enjoyable when when she she tricked him to drink that, even though she made him think that he was needed to be around. Mm-hmm. It turns out he was needed to be around to be the sacrifice. But then that got. The double cross got double crossed, and he was brought back to life, and she was killed. He and this may have been mentioned. Hmm? Go ahead. He he was gold. You got. <laughs> Mark Alemo is more creepy when he doesn't have the Cardassian makeup on. I think we mentioned yeah, this before. Oh, yeah, he is. Man, he's he's at his creepiest in the documentary. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Wearing them white sneakers and them jeans, yeah. dude, man. That's all those years spent being a bad guy in Starsky and Hutch in the 80s. Now, what what do you make of uh, was it the your destiny or whatever it is is not before you but behind you? Does that is that just foreshadowing the fact that it's going to be Ducat or is there some other meaning there? Because it's on Bajor, it's behind him. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's true. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, the only interpretation I had of it is that you know he thinks Ducat is out of his out of his life at this point. And that's something that's behind him, but it's going to turn out that he still has to face off against him. That's the only mm. interpretation I had of it, and I was just wondering if there's some sort of deeper meaning that any of you were able to see that I, you know, was too uh, bull in a china shop to catch. Actually, well, now that I think about it, it might have been because it's Bajor, because they're going off to this battle on Cardassia, leaving exactly. Bajor behind them. <laughs> you know, he's been so it wrapped up in the past three episodes with his function as Benjamin Sisko that maybe he's... She's reminding him, "You are the you are the prophet. You're the Cisco. You got things to do. Get your mm-hmm. ass back to Bajor. Get your ass to Mars." <laughs> and then we have Benny, <laughs> exactly, who's a sniveling worm and gets the fate he deserves. Yeah, Dave, were you aware that that that's? Uh, I don't know if you listened to the last episode yet. That Legget Broca is uh, Benny from. Um, uh, come on, help me! Total Recall. Total, Total recall. recall. The cabbie. Oh, I hadn't caught that. No. Mm-hmm. That's why we're saying, screw you, Benny. Screw <laughs> that you, makes more sense. <laughs> screw you, broke up. <laughs> no, no, don't kill me. I got six kids. I got six Cardassian kids. <laughs> 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 he was such a weasel. <laughs> um, speaking of not very satisfactory, we did not get a scene between Jake and Nog. No, we didn't. Okay, you Which know what? I... That, that fact escaped me and you're right there should have been some sort of well i guess there doesn't need to be closure between them because they're both staying on the station but there should be just some sort of at least a a, a nod to their friendship yeah well and the fact that jake just lost his dad well also well yeah and then nog's dad has gone off to become the nagus and how many times did jake and nog were the two standing on the promenade why is it nog on the promenade with jake and kira yeah i think that's all you needed to do have Nog yeah. next to him when he's standing there and Kira comes up behind him. Yes. See, we can always write a better show, but it, I mean, we're just like, we're the Monday morning writers. We're Yeah, we we're, needed them to write it and then give it to us before they film it. 
Exactly. Mm. See, I yeah, could, I, I don't play. Go ahead, Andy. No, no, go on, Eustace. I could see Nog not being there to be devil's advocate because the Nog, he's completely changed from the beginning. That life no longer exists for him. He's a Navy man. He's going to be going off to another destination. It's not, he's not the going same off to anymore. another destination. He's staying on the ship. He's a lieutenant now. Or not on the ship, on the station. He's a lieutenant now. And while his life has changed and he's matured, so has Jake's. But they're still best friends as far as I know. But to me, their paths were going to be completely different. Nah, but just because, I mean, I maintained some friendships through through the service that I still have today. Just because you go somewhere else doesn't mean you forget... I mean, especially since he's still on the station right now in this scene. It would be different if he was, like, reassigned somewhere. But he's still there. <laughs> All right. I, I tried to help them out with the script. I can't. You're right. Then we beat you down. <laughs> you beat me down. You're right. I tried to defend them. Indefensible. Have we talked about the battle scenes, the space battles? Some pretty good special effects on those. Yeah. Yeah, and they clearly spent all the budget there instead of the fight between Cisco and Ducat at the end. Yeah, where the did. special effects were god awful. We get a great shot from the, the the point of view of the front of the Defiant as it does a flip behind the Breen ship. I'm like, damn, I got to rewind mm-hmm. that. So should should they should they should should uh, there have been a gravestone that said Benjamin R. Cisco? <laughs> yes, that would have been great. Yeah, that would have been very, very amusing. And um, so all the time I'm watching that, that's all I could hear. I could just hear Gary Lockwood and William Shatner arguing with each other. It felt beat for beat exactly the same as where no man has gone before. Now, I get what you're saying, Paul, and you're right. You do have to have the final confrontation between the hero and the villain, and the villain must always be more powerful than the hero, or it doesn't mean anything. But I could change the dialogue, and it still worked. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not denying the parallels there and and how it, it, it the similarities it just you know i'm okay with that it doesn't i don't that i don't feel that that's a negative honestly oh i didn't find it a negative what i found negative were the awful special effects i didn't find it negative it didn't ruin it or spoil it for me i just thought it was an amusing what? thing that you could basically take the dialogue from a, an episode from 30 years previous and use it in the same place and it would still be exactly the same thing it was more of an amusing note than it was a distraction yeah okay I'm, I'm okay with that uh just you know going on a little bit damar expressing his appreciation to kira for everything she's done was kind of you know i, I know you know his character getting killed is the closure but mm. to me that was the end of his story arc when he you know he went from hating her when he was introduced to now appreciating everything she's done and understanding why like you know his his character growth was tremendous throughout this uh, his throughout his arc and and I thought that was a good moment that's one of the strengths of the show is that it, it knows how to use these side characters and develop them and take the time mm. to do so so you get moments like that and clearly they had a, at least an inkling of where they were going to go because if you remember when they introduced him uh they made a point of telling him, you know, yes, you're, 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 you're going to be very, very minor right now, but we have plans for you. So let's see. What other notes do I have? Still, one of the biggest boons to this episode, in my opinion, was the fact that Kira, when we meet her in the original pilot, she's so standoffish, doesn't trust. She was freedom fighter or terrorist, you can choose. 
uh, and now she's using those same tactics to help Cardassia rather than against them. And the irony is good, but her growth of uh, being able to do that is astounding. Mm. The idea that she's adhering to a higher ideal. Or Which season one Kira could not have done. Mm-mm, no. Yeah, that's, that's something that this show did better than anyone. Any, I think any of the other Star Trek shows is have the characters grow and change and develop as time goes on. They aren't the same people at the end of the series that they were at the beginning. You mean yeah, like I a think... first officer that stays a first officer for seven <laughs> years? Well, he's got a captain that's willing to overlook his sex pest record. <laughs> so now one, one scene that just kind of seemed a little much for me is when the Jem'Hadar are going to execute Kira and Garrick and, and uh, Damar. It's like, okay, we were told to kill you. Guys, raise your weapons. One, <laughs> two, two, two and a half. Two and a half. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely going to shoot you now. It's, wait, wait a minute, we have, to get, we have to give the Kardashians a chance to kill us first. That that seemed, and it was fine when it, when I'm watching it. It's just in retrospect, thinking about it, that it just you know it's like no, they would have just shot. It's not going to be ready aim fire. This isn't a firing squad. Yeah, that was a bit comical. So the founder, since she's gonna, since the changings are gonna die, they're like, yeah, we're just gonna burn it all down. Screw everybody. We're taking you with us. We're gonna make you pay for this. But and she then, has fair motivation on that. True, true, yes, because they are committing genocide. You know, the Federation, Section 31's committing genocide on her her entire race, which e- either because it's a plot contrivance and they needed to wrap it up quickly or a testament to Odo's skills and being able to link that he's just instantly able to change her mind just by linking. I mean, well, that's... It, it, uh, I thought but, that was... But, 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 but yet, he has to... <sighs> Permanently, he could change her mind that quick, but he has to permanently link with everybody else to change their minds. Now, you no. could say, well, yeah, that's how many individuals is in the Great Link, and it would take time to do that, blah, 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 blah. No. But still, you know, it's kind of like, well, that's convenient. We wrap that up. War's over. Go home. I think you're misconstruing the whole thing. Wow, I think, so. yes, he, he, he was able to change her mind instantly, and that shows the power of the Great Link, that they had an exchange of information that was that dramatic and that meaningful that quickly. But I think his going back and staying with the Great Link didn't have anything to do with changing their minds. I think it was purely a matter of that he felt he belonged there now and needed mm-hmm. to be a part of it that he's been denying for years. And I think that's true to his character. As much as he loves Kira, I think it's true to his character because throughout the show, ever since they've discovered the Great Link, he's been wanting to be back there. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was staying See, there got- to convince them. Well, it's also a show of sacrifice that I'm I'm willing to stay with you and be a part of you to prove what I'm saying is actual truth. Hmm. I got the vibe, like Bill did, that they needed to really understand the solids so they'd be able to live with them. So you're wrong, too. I guess. <laughs> I'm wrong a lot of the time, though. <laughs> My lot in life. I know. I mean, that would be that would be totally inconsistent to what we just did with the the uh, dying founder. Uh, so so I think you have to interpret it differently because I don't think the writers are that dumb. Speaking and of writers, I mean it does come down to a matter of interpretation. It's not you know they don't say oh we have to go there to convince them. Mm-hmm. Now an interpretation is wrong, Paul. Hmm? Huh? Nothing. 
Speaking of writers, uh, did anybody catch Irish Stephen Bear's cameo? Yeah, he they was were all the. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and Jeffrey was Coombs was out of makeup. When was that? Is that in Quark? In uh, Vix? Yep. He's sitting at a table as Vic is singing. What'd you think of the choice of songs for Vic? I thought they were good. It seems moon. like there'd be something a little bit more appropriate to to an ending, but I can't think of it, so I think it was fine. You know, the funny thing is, I think the best choice uh, was a song they already did, so I don't think they could. I think a, a better song would have been The Best Is Yet To Come, meaning, you know, their lives are going to go on and, and, and continue to get better and better. Uh, but they did that in the duet when he sang with Cisco. Mm. So is it going to get better, was, though? <laughs> Well, I, it's it's just an implication, you know, that that now that the war is over, that they, they can go on and live their lives and be, you know, comfortable and happy. And in theory, they are, uh, you know, in, in theory, Bashir and, and Dax are now a couple, and they're going on with their lives. Uh, O'Brien is going down to teach, uh, where he's going to, you know, not have to be have his life in peril anymore. You know, the, the, I, I doubt that the uh, Starfleet Academy will have a uh, torture O'Brien class. <laughs> No, uh, no, it's going to be an annual tradition. It's going to be yeah. like a homecoming dance. But he's Worf, be, Worf and Martok are going to go out tog hunting. Yeah, and Kako had a lovely new herdo, So the only the only one who you question whether or not the best is yet to come is is Cisco because you just don't know when he's coming back. Well, is he is he non corporeal and trapped with Guldukat? So <laughs> he's not with Guldukat. Dukat is with the Parades, and he's with the Prophets. Right. I wonder if they'll arrange a meetup every now and again. It'll be like the uh, J- Jacob and the Man in Black in Lost. If anybody yes. stayed with Lost long enough to get that reference, <laughs> no, I, I don't remember. I, I thought the founder's motivation to you know willing to sacrifice everything to now <coughs> the que- you know I guess yeah the the disease that was killing her had been infected the the founders on their homeworld right. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And and maybe that's something I don't know how you could have done it better. But when he goes and joins the link, how do, I mean, how do you see that they're ill? They the were, color, the color of the water color. changes, right? Yeah. yeah, and it's not as not moving as much. It's like dropping some tabs in your pool, changing your pool water. <laughs> Odo got out a little, you know, pH meter. Well, I'm gonna have to change this pH. Yeah, get out of my pool. <laughs> get out of my pool. <laughs> did you shake your finger then when you did yeah, that? Yeah, that's Harrison Ford to the pool guy. Get, get off, off my pool. wife. Now, I know what? you didn't like the, uh, the special <laughs> yes, effects of the fight. I know, I know you didn't like the special effects of the fight between Ducat and Cisco, but I did actually like the, you know, as a still image, I liked the image of Ducat standing there with the flames around him. I thought I thought he looked especially menacing. <laughs> They the should give him, him a mustache. Was, it bothers me how tacked on it felt. Not that it was necessarily tacked on because it was necessary, but it just, okay, we've resolved almost everything. Now we're going to jump to this and resolve this real quick. Mm-hmm. It was so matter of fact and out of the way so quick. Yeah, it, yeah it, it felt like the episode had ended and then they went, oh shit, we've not dealt with the cat. But I think, I think that's, I think that was intentional. Now, whether or not it worked is another matter, but I think that was intentional. I think it was showing that to Everybody else, they think this is all over now because the war is over. But there's a bigger threat out there that they're not even aware of. And it's done on a small scale because it's one-on-one, but it's a bigger threat than, or certainly a bigger threat to Bajor uh, Mm. than anything else that was going on. 
And I, I kind of like the concept of that. I, I understand in execution it may not have sat well with everybody, but I kind of was okay with that. Yeah. I guess we should rate this episode. I, I have been going back and forth. I ended up at a 4.5 because it was not perfect. There was a lot of imperfections, but ultimately I felt satisfied at the end, satisfied enough to walk away from Deep, mm. Deep Space Nine. Yeah, four and a half. Uh, I'm going to say I concede that there are imperfections to it, but I still thought it was so satisfying for me at the end that I'm giving it a five. I uh, I liked it. I thought it was a good w- way to wrap things up. I wasn't thrilled with Cisco disappearing and it not being set in stone when he's going to be back assuming he will be back leaving behind you know his wife and the unborn child and jake that was the little bit of a downer for me but other than that i i I really enjoyed it i like the way they wrap things up i give it a 4.52 go on bill you can go first well so in honor of uh our friend sean who can't be here and how i would sometimes change my ratings and give him goofy numbers (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so I will give it four point nine Toasted Kai wins on a stick. Uh, I'm going to be the outlier and give it four. Because honestly, I did enjoy it. I think it wraps the series up adequately for a season finale. I felt that it wasn't a great series finale. It felt like you could go straight into series eight from this episode and pick it all up and carry straight on with maybe a couple of characters who don't come back for the new season in terms of the Star Trek finales it's better than Voyager's finale and Enterprise's finale it's not a better series finale than Voyager's finale none of them are as enjoyable as all good things we'll overlook Turnabout Intruder Well, considering they didn't know that was going to be the series finale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean technically, the, the original series finale is The Undiscovered Country, which is obviously better than everything. To fair, fair enough. So, that's what we think about the final episode. Um, I'm going to say, just, just as a, an addition to that, is I was kind of comfortable with the fact that it left you feeling like life goes on. I, I, if if it didn't, you know, that you could have gone right to se- Series 8 if you wanted. Uh, because if you didn't, then it feels too contrived to me. But that's just, you know, your, your mileage may vary. So that's what we think of the final episode. But what does Blaine think? Well, I'm not going to pretend to speak for Blaine, but, but now I'm going to do two things to honor Sean quickly back to back. I think Blaine would want to give Sean a moment of silence instead of me singing a piffy, off-the-cuff song. So I think we should have a moment of silence, and then we can go into the email. Before going into the email, I just want to express my public thanks to Sean and on his <coughs> memory for doing this with us as long as he did and giving us the pleasure of his company and his thoughts because it is something that will stay with me forever. Two absent friends. Kapla. And on that note, I'll go on to Blaine's thoughts where he says, Blaine's got a lot of thoughts here, so bear with me. Hi, guys. My friends, songs will be sung about this day. 
Before I get into the meat of things, there are three things that bother me about this episode. One, there was enough of a cure in Odo's system to cure his entire species that quickly. The cure must be a catalyst that destroys the disease or event transforms the disease into its own cure. There's no other reason for that cure to spread so quickly. As with extreme measures, I wish they had to work a little bit harder for it. It seems to undermine the severity of the situation. I just don't think they had the time to devote to it, frankly. That's my thought. Uh, two, there is no good reason to ha- not to have Jed Z in the flashbacks. Couldn't agree more, Blaine. Yeah, I'm sure that there was some sort of legal issue dealing with the likeness rights or residual payments or some such, but they should have worked it out. Jed Z and Terry Farrell earned that representation. The IMD trivia page says that they tried, but Terry Farrell or her representation just asked for more money than they had left in the budget. Ira Stephen Bear wasn't happy about that either. Still, I haven't seen exact numbers, so I don't know if Farrell's price was too high or if the episode was just so ambitious it didn't leave a reasonable amount of money left in the budget or if it was some combination of both. That's true. We don't know what went on beyond the, behind the scenes. She may have said, "You want to use my Farrell? You want to use my uh, representation? It's twenty-five million dollars." <laughs> you know, who knows what she said? Uh, or they may have said, uh, "We only have six dollars left, and is that enough, Terry?" <laughs> I don't know. While I uh, three, while I appreciate Ben Cisco saying goodbye to Cassidy, Jake was the one one who was there from the beginning. He was the anchor that kept Ben grounded after losing Jennifer. Without Jake, I doubt he would have held himself together at all. I think Jake deserved to be the one who got the vision if it could only go to one of them. He felt marginalized to me. I think we hit on that and we agree with that totally. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, the negativity is done and over with. Now for the good stuff. Character by character, in the order they are listed on the, IM- on the IMDB at the time of this writing. Benjamin Lafayette Sisko. Not even Kirk ended up as an actual god at any point. This may not be the ending people wanted for his character, especially with a pregnant wife, but it makes sense for the character. See also Quantum Leap. Odo. I appreciate his stated intent that he wants to help bring peace by, in essence, acting as an ambassador to his people. Will he really help them trust the solids, given his completely understandable reaction to the source of the virus that almost wiped them out? Sure, he knows that some solids can be trusted, but he also knows that others can't be trusted, as far as Esri can throw them. Dax. She she gets a happy ending, and one that will keep her busy as a counselor. I wonder what they would have done had Jadzia stayed. Worf. He's an accepted resident of Kronos and the Klingon Empire, and an agent for change for the better. For Klingon's definition... For Klingon's definition of better. Good for him. Jake Sisko. I wish he had more to do this entire season. He held Ben together in those early years. He taught Nog to read. Without him, Nog couldn't have joined Starfleet. He was mature beyond his years, and as his ex-girlfriends will show. When he grew up, the show somewhat outgrew him. I'd pr- have preferred to see a few scenes between him and Nog beyond their fight during It's Only a Paper Moon, but I can't think of a storyline that would fit him into the into a plot this complex. I think our, our idea of having him on the... Uh, having Nog on the... Uh, the, what you call it, uh, with, with Jake at the end, I think that would have been sufficient to just kind of show the, rep, the the relationship the two had. Miles O'Brien, I like the end of his story. He realized long ago a, a family man doesn't belong on the front lines and duty is too important to him to walk away, but raising his kids on earth while teaching is perfect for him. I'd love to have him as a teacher. He's the kind of guy who would never give up, give a writing engineering final. 
he wouldn't ask you to bring a formula sheet or a writing implement. He'd ask you to bring your toolbox with whatever tools you think it should contain. If you're in a first year course, he'd hand you something broken, tell you what it is, tell you to fix it. In the second year, he'd hand you something broken, not tell you what it is, and tell you to fix it. Third and fourth year students would live through episodes of Scrap Heap, Challenge, Junkyard Wars, where he'd drop you into a pile of random bits, tell you what you ultimately need to accomplish, then sit back and see what you come up with. So, so he would he would be the engineering version of Chopped. Uh, well, or or better like the like the um. Like for your doctors or your masters, he would say, "All right, we're gonna have, we're gonna implant twenty years of memories in you, and then you gotta fix this." At the end of every every semester, he would torture the class. <laughs> <laughs> this is what life is like on the front lines. <laughs> Quark, his final scene with Odo was perfect. Yeah, we did, we didn't hit on that. I I agree, it was. They care for each other tremendously, but neither will ever admit it. He's a huge part of station morale, but nobody wants to admit it. He belongs where he is. Yeah, I thought it, I thought that whole, he loves me, was great. So I have to go with that. Bashir, he finally lands in a healthy relationship, open about his abilities with plans to visit the real Alamo. It wouldn't make sense to follow O'Brien to Earth as he wants to be on the frontier with those challenges. So I'm glad they went another way. Now he can work on other things like figuring it figuring out if humans and trills can produce viable offspring. Also, how do the trill symbiotes reproduce? Does that happen in the fog pits before they're implanted in a host? So many science nerd questions have gone unanswered. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to totally agree with that. I think they are saying, yeah, he's in a healthy relationship, but I think we don't have enough evidence to necessarily agree with that. I mean, they've been together for like a minute. So whether or not it's a healthy relationship or whether or not it's going to break off after two months, I have no idea. Kira, a colonel in the Bajoran militia, is now in charge of the Bajoran st space station, and she's not going to let up on Quark. Perfect. Keiko, hey, we have proof that Keiko still exists and isn't just some forgotten memory, and apparently no longer, uh, what you call it, uh, possessed by the Pa-Wraiths. Wayun, there's no way we'd be satisfied as viewers if we didn't know the Wayun line was ended by the time the series was over. You can't help but hate that you find him so charming. Major kudos to Jeff Jeffrey Coombs for that. Cassidy Danielle Yates Cisco. She went from freighter captain to criminal to wife of a religious icon to a single mother of a widow of a god, yet it only appeared in 15 episodes, and it all felt natural. At the very least, she's living proof of the quality of the writing on the series to make that happen. Garrick. His exile is over and he's back on Cardassia, but it's damaged potentially beyond repair. Charming as he is, he's not a nice guy. Karma would have probably earned him a far worse fate than he deserved. Still, he's the one with the killer instinct, so it makes sense that he's the one to take out Wei Yun. Damar, another stellar example of character growth and development, particularly towards the end. Well played. Dukat, he's the ultimate foil to Sisko and the perfect emissary of the Power Wraiths. Malcolm Alamo, Andrew Robinson, Jeffrey Combs, and J.G. Hertzler are the four reoccurring guest stars who give star performances every time out. A well-deserved end. I think you needed to add uh, Louise Fletcher to that list of people who gave star performances every time. Nog. He's another one who came a long way. Well done, Lieutenant. Martok. Chancellor of the Klingon Empire. Another well-earned fate. Kai Wynn. She'd fallen so far, but she at least redeemed at the end. No, she didn't. She just served her own purposes. <laughs> giving Sisko 
the key to defeating Dukat. Possibly too little, definitely too late. Okay, so we do agree. But also distinctly flawed in a way that we don't see from Federation members. It's been a great ride, guys. Let me take this opportunity to thank you for giving me an excuse to rewatch the series and inviting me aboard to be the official science advisor to the podcast. I've loved listening and greatly appreciate being invited to join you on a few occasions. Finally, I know I wanted to keep this positive, but it has to be said, we miss you, Sean. Today of all days, we wish you were here, Blaine. Thanks, Blaine, for that. Uh, I want to throw out there that we are hoping that when this episode comes closer to airing, not now when it's, you know, 10 months away, but when this episode comes closer to airing, we're going to record an episode where we do a recap, talk about the episodes, talk about the series, uh, invite everybody who's been a guest on the show to see if they're available to come in and talk to us. And at that point, we'll also be reading whatever email we have. So as you've been watching and you know we're so far ahead on recording, if you want to send episode, uh, emails on later episodes, we will, you know, we will try and include them. We will do our best. I did my best. Isn't that like the Cub Scout, uh, this Cub Scout oath, I will do my best to do my duty, blah, 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 blah. Something like that, yeah. It's been a long time since I was a Cub Scout. Yes, a very, very long time for me. But anyway, guys, this has been a pleasure. Indeed. Even though I've been in and out, so I I still have (laughs) ten months of, of listening to this show. And editing and spending time and with you guys done, and some virtual We're not stuff. done with each other. We're just done with episodes of DS9. Yeah, they didn't make any more, so there's not really a lot we can do about that. So yeah, we're going to move no on time. to another project, that's all. Andy, what that's are we cool. doing next time? Nothing. <laughs> 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 there, there, is, there is no next time. <laughs> yes, the there end. is. Next time, we're going to do a reunion episode where we talk about things, which I just mentioned. Yeah, you've already said that, though. And then after that, we're going to, we're, our first our first new venture will be to do Star Trek the Animated Series. No, but, uh, but I thought we were saving that as a surprise. No, because oh. I don't know if it's going to go on a new feed, so I want everybody who's listening to this to be aware that they might have to look for it two weeks after the final episode of Listen to the Prophets airs. Oh, okay. Right. I don't know. I think "Listen to the Prophets" is a good name. It might be. We'll have to decide. We have we have ten months to decide. We do. Yeah. All right. Then. Next time on an all new episode of "Listen to the Prophets," it's a reunion show. Normally, people wait like ten years before they do a reunion show. We're not gonna do that. We're waiting about We're ten like, months. Yeah. Time travel. You know, you, so weird. Yeah. If it follows the standard template of the reunion show, it will be written by people that aren't normally involved with the show, so it'll suck. And everybody's going to be pissed at how old we look now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But there'll be one member of the cast who hasn't changed. There's always one who doesn't age. That's Ah. that's Pascarella. Yeah, definitely Pascarella. But Andy, you should have you should have read that like like Doctor McCoy doing Star Trek Two. You know, watch out! Here comes Listen to Prophets. We'll do a reunion show in ten months. (laughs) <laughs> for 10 years. As a matter of cosmic history, it has always been easier to destroy than to create. <laughs> the man's talking about logic. <laughs> I am very proud right. to have completed this series, and I am proud yeah. to call you all my friends. Yep. Um, we will raise a glass to Sean when it's not midday. We'd get salt up for day drinking. <laughs> midday? It's 9 a.m. Yeah, for you. Yeah. It's five o'clock somewhere. That's not how time zones work, Paul. Whatever we do. Alcoholic. <laughs>
in the future, whatever else we cover, there will always be a small part of us still here on Listen to the Prophets. Listen to the Prophets at Deep Space Nine Podcast is a Two True Freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you'd like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the twotruefreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. Finally, to wrap all this up, my one thank you has to go out to wonderful listeners. Honestly, I can't thank you enough.